How's everybody doing? Good? Awesome. Hey, if you don't know me, my name is Pastor Brock, and I'm the pastor here at Agape. Um, we're so grateful that you guys decided to come hang out this morning. We love to gather every Sunday as a community. Um, we are in our fourth and final part of our culture series. We like to start off every year. Um, I say that like we've been around all this time, but we started off last year and then this year <laughs> with a culture series um, just on our, the culture that we're creating and who we are as a church. Um, culture is a word that we throw around a lot in our leadership and kind of behind the scenes because to us, culture supersedes value. Now what I mean by culture goes beyond something you value and culture is who you are. So I think culture is embodiment of value. And so we like to um, not say stuff that we just value here. We like to say who we are and create a culture of, of a community of believers. Um, and so we love that word. And so we want to, yeah, we'll do a series on it. Our culture here is made up of four things. First one is community. It's real important, obviously. Process, presence, and action. And now this week is our final week. And I'm going to be talking about action. And before I get into this, um, a couple reminders that we like to say, too, is everything that you do creates culture. Everything that you do creates culture. Um, within your house, within your work, um, especially in church, everything that we do, it creates culture. Whether it's good culture or bad culture, that depends on, well, what you're doing. <laughs> um, but... I think it's something that we could all talk about a little more is the embodiment of culture and that everything that I do is having an outcome positive or negative to my surroundings. And so that's why here as a church we're big on our culture because we want us all to be on the same page culture-wise. That way we can create culture everywhere we go because we think it goes beyond a gathering on Sundays. Does that make sense? Awesome. Um, and then two more things. One, I'm, I'm a sappy guy. You'll get to learn. I'm sorry, but I want to take a moment. We're family here. Matt, I'm so proud of you. Um, so, so, so proud of you. Watching you grow is, un, is an honor. Um, Matt was my youth worship leader when I was a youth pastor, and he was like 15, 16 years old. Um, and one of our first conversations was him admitting to me a mistake that he made, and he was all shy and bashful about it, and it was hilarious, um, <laughs> and it's been just awesome watching you grow, and this week was a whole nother level, so I couldn't be more proud of you. Um, that's the Matt I see. That's the Matt I've seen since you were 15 or 16 or however old that you were when I met you, um, but yeah, lastly, I want to talk about action. I want to say this. Action is an outcome. Before we get into this message, I want everyone to know that so we're on the same page, that we can know this. Action is an outcome. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. Um, action is an outcome. Now let's pray. Jesus, we just thank you for this opportunity this morning to, to gather in your presence. Lord, I pray that you'd help me preach and deliver this message that I would say, not what I planned, but what you want me to say. God, I pray for open hearts to receive your word, God. 
We ask that we can lean in this morning and, and hear from you a specific word for us that we can become more like you. God, I pray for burdens and confusion and doubt and fear. I pray that they would dissipate in your presence this morning, that they'd be lessened or taken away by, by your presence. And God, we give you all the glory and all the honor. We thank you for setting us free. So now I pray that we just learn to walk in that freedom. We ask this all in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to be looking at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. It's going to be up on the screen. If you want to turn to it, you can. I'll just fill us in with what's going on. Uh, So this is right after Jesus died. He rose again, and he revealed himself to Mary and Mary. There's two Marys. It gets real confusing if you're me. I don't know. I always get confused by that. But he reveals himself to Mary and Mary. And then he tells them, go tell his disciples to meet him at a mountain because he needs to talk to him. And he reveals himself that he's risen from the dead to his disciples. And he kind of gives part of his last will and testament to the disciples. Now, this is one of the most important passages that that we can um, look at as a church and as a body of believers. It's called the Great Commission. um, And so I'm really excited to, to preach this this morning. Now, if you haven't turned there yet, we'll have it up here. We're hanging out in this amplified version. I like it, um, so I'm going to keep using it till I get sick of it. Does that sound good? Um, it says this in 16. Now the 11 disciples, there's a backstory there, Judas. The 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain which Jesus had designated. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted that it was really he. We're going to stop there. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. That's interesting to me because it says that they all worshipped him, but some doubted. Not some worshipped and the others doubted. The, the language and the verbiage that's used to me indicates that they were all worshipping Jesus, but only some of them doubted that it was really Jesus. And to me, that's actually really encouraging because I would propose to you that that means that we can worship with doubt. I feel like a lot of times our our default is, is to try to hide our doubts, try to cover up our doubts, and We think that if only I hide this doubt, if only I hide my fear, if only I hide the the lack of trust that I have in God, if only I hide this long enough and I suppress this and I keep this down, at some point it will go away and I can really flourish in my faith and I can really follow Jesus well and I can really worship with a whole heart. And so what we do is is we kind of subjugate ourselves and we, we, we push down our doubt And we hide and cover up our doubt. And I think that when we cover up our doubt, that creates patterns of anxiety in our lives. I think covering covering up our doubt and trying to hide our doubt, trying to hide our fear, 
trying to hide our lack of trust. I think that that's what creates patterns of anxiety in our lives because when we, when we feel doubt, we're told that that doubt is wrong and we're not allowed to doubt. My Sunday school teacher told me. <laughs> I'm not allowed to question anything. And so the moment I question, then I feel shame. And so in my shame, I, I cover up my doubt. And then it just lingers. And I think that that covered up doubt creates a massive foothold for the enemy to speak into your life. Because that's the spot where I'm not letting God see this. I'm not admitting this. I'm just going to cover this up. Even with the best intentions, I'm going to cover this up. And then at some point, it's going to go away. Well, you know what? It doesn't. And the fact that it doesn't go away, it actually quietly, subtly gets stronger because that's what the enemy feeds. He feeds on your doubt. He feeds on your fear. He feeds on my doubt all the time. And how do I respond? Nine times out of ten, I keep covering it up. But it says this, they all worshipped and some doubted. So I wonder if, if Jesus isn't afraid of our doubts. I don't think he is. I don't think Jesus is offended by your doubt. I think he gets offended when you try to hide your doubt from him. I don't think doubt or, or fear intimidates Jesus at all. But I think covered up doubt scares Jesus. And so I wonder if doubt is something that it's okay to process through. Every time I, I doubt and I, and I expose my doubt and I worship through my doubt and I bring my doubt to Jesus, every time I do that and I start to process through it, at the bottom of my doubt, at the bottom of my deepest fear, in my brokenness, at the very bottom, I, I, I find God. I find God at the bottom of my doubt. He's there. So I wonder if doubt isn't something to be covered up but worshipped through. I love the heart of the disciples in here. They doubted it was Jesus, but they were still worshiping Jesus. Listen, doubt should not in inhibit our worship. Doubt should lead us to worship. I'm doubting, so I'm not going to think about it or process through it as much as I'm just going to bring it to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm scared. Jesus, I don't trust you right now. Jesus, I don't believe this right now. But what are you going to do with it? Jesus, take my doubt. And when we do that and we worship through our doubt, I think we're broken free of our doubt. When I don't allow myself to process through my doubt and bring it to Jesus, then it's always going to grow and it's going to lead me away from him. So I want us to be on the same page this morning and understand that doubt is okay. But covered up doubt is one of the most dangerous things to our walk with Christ. 
So I don't know what you're doubting this morning. I don't know what makes you doubt Jesus. I think it's okay sometimes that you do because, to be honest, I do. And so, yeah, I, I'm walking closer to Jesus. And so I think it's okay because my doubt, when I tell God about it, it leads me closer to him. So I can worship through my doubt. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Verse 18 says this, Jesus came up and said to them, All authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I'm going to read that one more time. We're going to hang out there again for a minute. Came, Jesus came up to them and said, all, all authority, all power of absolute rule in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. I think we need to speak that over our lives more often. I think we need to remind ourselves of, of that truth. That we follow the one who has authority over everything. It says, all power and all authority in heaven and on earth. So everything, listen, belongs to Jesus. Everything belongs to Jesus. I've lived a lot of my life with, with this perspective of that there's this war going on between, between God or Jesus and the devil. And I know Jesus is going to win. And so I'm going to side with him, and I'm just going to hang on until he wins. Um, that's not completely wrong, but I think it shortchanges it. Because what we do is we hold on to a victory that is going to happen. And so when we're facing a, a horrible situation, we just hold on and try to grip on to uh, some futuristic scenario. Because Jesus is going to have the victory. So if I hold on long enough, then I'll see the victory. But listen, Jesus already has victory. Jesus has already won. So you don't, you don't have to struggle as much anymore. Listen, it's okay if you do. I don't want you to suppress it. But, but listen, you don't have to struggle anymore. Your relationship with Jesus doesn't have to be just clinging on anymore. You don't have to be falling over and tripping over the same sin and struggling with the same thing over and over and over again anymore. Listen, because whatever is defeating you has already been defeated by Jesus. He's already won victory over whatever has victory over you in this moment. It's not a futuristic thing. It's a now thing. So I can have wholeness. I can have victory. I can have peace over my situation right here and right now. That's how good God is. See, we don't have to wait for the victory. It's, it's here. It happened right before this when, when Jesus died. 
and rose again. So when he rose, he, he claimed victory and, and claimed authority over everything. That means that when I'm struggling with something, when I'm struggling with something, I don't have to keep holding on to it. I think often when we, when we struggle with stuff, we think that with Jesus helping me, I can get through this. Or with Jesus helping me, with his strength, I can conquer whatever it is. Your pain, your past, your fear, your current struggle, whatever. Your job. (laughs) But it's not you who claims the victory. It's Jesus who has victory. And so, I don't know, I hope this makes sense, but it's less of Jesus helping me get through this situation and more of me surrendering my situation to him. And understanding that, listen, Jesus, I, I, I trust you, and I know that you have victory over this, so I'm not going to try to conquer this anymore. I'm just going to surrender it to you and walk with you. I'm just going to walk with you through life. That's the easy and light burden that Jesus talks about when he says, take my yoke upon you, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And he says, watch me and live like me and walk with me. That's what he calls us to. But that happens when I I give my struggles to him. Not when I try to have him aid me in my quest. I got to surrender all. And I got to flip the narrative and realize it's God's mission. I play a part in it, so I'm giving it all to him. He's been given all power and all authority. Can you throw that verse back up? And so he says this, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Help the people to learn of me. Believe in me and obey my words. This is a side note, but I love how it breaks down what it means to make disciples. I think it gets confusing. But he says this, Help people learn of me. So that's one step in the process of making disciples. And if we're called to make disciples, then we have to help people learn of Jesus. How do we do that? We say it with our mouth. <laughs> I know it's that obvious, but I still, it's like, I hope if I just walk and I sit next to this person. No. You might have to say something and do something. Jeez. <laughs> help people learn of me. So I have to, we have to help people learn of Jesus. Then help them believe in him. And obey my words. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. I love how he starts. He says, go therefore. Go therefore. So we're talking about how Jesus, he says, I have all power and authority over everything. Go therefore. Therefore means for that reason. So why are we sent? 
Why are we called? Why are we commissioned? Because Jesus has been given power and authority over everything in heaven and on earth. Go therefore. With that in mind, I'm going to go. So when I'm reminded of Jesus' power, I can't help but live a life of action. When I'm reminded of of Jesus' power, I can't help live a life of of sacrifice. When I'm reminded of of Jesus' power and, and God's greatness, I can't help but submit myself to Him and trust Him. So I'm going to go because Jesus has been given all power. I'm going to go and I'm going to trust Him and I'm going to walk with Him. Is this helping anybody this morning? Go therefore. For that reason, let's go. It gives a new intention to going to work. It gives a new intention when you wake up in the morning and you want to recluse into yourself and watch TV and instead you choose to what? Pray with your kids and talk to your kids? It brings a new intention to when you show up on a Sunday to serve. It brings a new intention to when you go into class because I'm going for that reason. I'm going to class. What reason? Because Jesus has been given power and I need to make disciples. You want a life of purpose? It's right there. So often we search for this grand meaning and this grand purpose within the realm of following Jesus, but Jesus lays it out so simply. We overcomplicate it. We say, God, what am I supposed to do? Where am I supposed to be? Uh, uh, Where do you want me to work? What career path? Jesus says, go and make disciples wherever you're at. You want a calling? It's right there. Your calling is up on the screen. Go and make disciples and remind yourself while you do it that our God has been given all the power in the world. That will lift your faith. When I remind myself of how good God is, I can't help but go. I can't help but live a life of purpose. See, when we understand God's power, then we can truly live lives of purpose. It's in the understanding that Jesus has power over everything. So I'm going to trust that, and I'm going to believe in that. Matt, you can come up. It says this in verse 20. Go and make disciples, baptizing them, teaching them to observe everything that I've commanded you. And lo, now, I don't know why they have the word lo in there. I don't, I was caught off guard. I thought it was, I thought I was in Shakespeare for a second. That's okay. That's my only nitpick with this amplified. I don't know why they put lo in there, but it says this, and lo. I know he didn't say that because that takes all seriousness out of it. He's like saying he's got all the power in the universe and, and he's telling you to, giving you the mission and the purpose of your life and it's so powerful and low. <laughs> um, ah, no, sorry. But we're going we're gonna to go with it. And low, I am with you. I love this though. I am with you always. 
remaining with you perpetually. Don't you love that? Remaining with you perpetually, regardless of circumstance. Isn't that good? And on every occasion, even to the end of the age. He's with you always. Perpetually. Under every circumstance. In your deepest doubt, He's with you. In the pit and despair of depression, He is with you. When your anxiety is leading you and guiding and, and, and telling the narrative of your life, He is with you. When you're in a situation that you got caught in that you didn't deserve, He is with you. When you're confused, He's with you. Every circumstance, God is with you. Maisie is my daughter, if you don't know. She's two and a half years old. She's practically insane. Um, her favorite thing right now is to go sledding. And so I, uh, I never thought, I, you, you never think you're going to have fun doing this stuff until you're actually a dad. It's hilarious. Um, so I built like this little, out of snow, I built this little ramp in the top of our yard. And then our yard has a hill, and so it's like she starts up here and goes, and then goes down, and then I built another ramp, so she kind of, it stops her, uh, but then she falls back and then smashes her head on the sled, but she thinks it's hilarious, so we'll go with it, um, and she's just a little bit, a little bit headstrong and determined and independent, just a little bit, um, and by a little bit, I mean every fiber of her being. <laughs> and so we go down, and I, I was sledding with her. It was like an hour or something. We were out there. <clears throat> and then, of course, she realizes that, oh, I can carry the sled. Okay. She's two. She's about this tall, you know. So she tries grabbing the sled, and... Um, the hill is kind of slippery because we've been walking up it. And so she's, she's got the sled. She won't let me touch it, of course. And God help me when she's a teenager. <laughs> she won't let me touch this sled. <laughs> and so she's got it. So she's trying to carry the sled. And she had it on the, on the flat part, but then it got to the hill. And so she starts climbing up the hill. And I walked up, and I turn around, and she's on her face. I'm like, okay, and so she's trying to get up, and she keeps slipping, but she's holding on to the sled. Like, she's not letting go um, of the sled. She's going to get up the hill, and then she kept getting up and, like, falling because she couldn't just get a good grip, and she couldn't carry the sled up the hill. And so eventually, I was like, okay, you're done. And so I walked back, and I just said, all right, let me take it, Maisie, you know, and then grabbed the uh what do you call it, the handle with on the rope, grab that. And then it was actually the coolest moment because not only did she finally accept my help, but like, so I grabbed the sled here, and then she wanted me to hold her hand. And so then I'm walking up the hill, um, and I have Maisie, I'm, I'm carrying her up the hill, and I'm pulling the sled. 
Um, and it was, a, it was a weird because God spoke to me in that moment, and I, and I almost started tearing up right there because what he told me is, he said, I've got you. Let me take it. See, I think often we try to, we struggle our way up, up the hill, and we're like, I got this. I need to get my sled up the hill so I can go back down because that's what I'm supposed to do. But I can get my own sled. I don't need your help. And so we try and we try and we fall and we fall and we trip and we trip. Then eventually I think we're willing to allow Jesus in. And when we do, it's the most beautiful thing because, listen, God does not only carry your burdens, He carries you. He's so good that he doesn't want to just carry what you're carrying. He wants to carry you up that hill as well. See, he is with you in every circumstance. He is by your side. Every hill of life that you have to conquer, he wants to carry you up. And not only does he want to carry you up, he wants to carry your burdens up as well. He is with you perpetually, consistently, and always. And listen, how much easier is it to love my neighbor when I understand that God loves me? If action is an outcome, then I just have to understand that God has me and God loves me and God cares about me. And if I understand God's love and grace and power, then I can't help but live a life and have the outcome of action. So the reason why God saves us and sets us free is so that we can help others be saved and be set free. How hard, it, hard is it to, to love the world when you're trying to carry your own crap up the hill? And how much easier is it when you understand that God's in it, God is with you? He has power over everything. And so go therefore. Go for that reason. There might be some of you in here that maybe you don't come to church often. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You don't know him personally. So maybe your whole life you felt like you've been carrying your own burdens, carrying your own weight. And this morning, you want to say, God, I want to surrender. I want to give my life to you. I'm sick of doing this on my own, Jesus. I want to give it to you. Maybe you've tried to follow him, but you've never given him your stuff either. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I believe you, but I haven't given you all. If you've been following him or trying to follow him too with that stuff, and you want to say, Jesus, I want to just give this to you this morning. I want to surrender this to you. My doubt, I want it uncovered so I can worship you freely. This, this baggage that I've been carrying, God, I want to get rid of it. I want to walk with you, with your easy and light burden. If that's you this morning, with every head bowed, we just want to pray for you. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You can just slip your hand up and say, I just need prayer for that. I want to give God my burdens this morning, or I want to give my life to him. Awesome. Go ahead and pray real quick. Jesus, we just thank you that you take our burdens. We thank you that you're strong where we are weak. God, I thank you for the freedom that comes with 
giving you control and letting go of our control. God, so this morning we choose to let go of, of our past. We choose to let go of our fear. We choose to uncover our doubt. We choose to just let you see it. And we surrender it and we give it to you. And you do what you will with it. Lord, we ask this all in your name. Amen.